0: What's going on, guys? This is episode 7 of Industry 4.0, the only tech show where the pants are optional and the tech is mandatory. (laughs) Um, We have a few interesting...
1: It's a good thing these cameras are from the shirt up. Exactly, yeah. yeah, It's (laughs) a a
0: webcast, too, so we're all at home. (laughs) I'm joined today by one less person than normal. Um, I've got Irvin, Kyle, and Jeff with me. And we got a few interesting topics for you today, just to briefly go over them. Yeah, there's some media companies that are getting shows on Snapchat. Um, you have Facebook creating its own language, using the Facebook AI accidentally. Um, and then you also have the European Union, uh, some, uh, some groups in that group uh, backing end-to-end encryption for all citizens and just trying to stick up for their privacy. Um, so it should be a pretty good first half. Uh, let's just jump straight into the first topic about Snapchat spending $100 million on original shows and ads. Um, what do you guys think about this, Snapchat kind of adding something else to their discovery panel to keep people in the app? Do you think it's going to work? I mean, yeah. they've they're, they've been up in stock ever since this happened, only by a little bit, but that that could change in a couple of days.
2: Up is a relative <laughs> term because as, as soon as there's uh, stock launched uh, fairly recently, um, it's been fairly down. It started at high of like 22 bucks. Initial public offering was at like 17. Now it's back right where it was 17. Um, so it's this is right off the heel of that big IPO. They're supposed to be this huge next media company and they looks like they're starting to gain traction with some of the bigger, media companies like time warner that they're putting a lot of money 100 million dollars in this case in the next it looks like two years mm. they're going invest in snapchat original content so this is snapchat only shows um yeah. and ads as well and, and it looks big,
0: like time warner cable too so you have yeah, a big exactly. company backing this
2: yeah and and Snapchat's going to take 50 percent of that uh ad revenue mm. uh, any money that they're making of these shows right off the top half of it goes to snapchat
1: um so from a content standpoint i'm curious to see what they're gonna what they're expecting to put out whether this i mean when i first was reading this article i was thinking you know like oh when i go through my facebook feed or something like that and i see these short comedy videos That's usually the kind of thing that's, you know, in this three to five minute span they're discussing that catches my interest. At least, you know, I I like to have a quick laugh and I don't have time to watch a full episode of something during the day. Um, With Time Warner, I'm curious to see what these three to five minute episodes are going to look like. If they're going to try and make it maybe something like like an actual series where you tune in. Um, As of right now, I think this can't hurt too much because personally, I'm not interested in the discover space and Snapchat um i any any uh, Jenner and Kardashian news is way too much for me so when you see <laughs> Kylie and whatever in there every day uh, i instantly close the app so I, i'm hoping that they can do something nice with this and like i was saying i hope that they do these kind of shorts maybe pick up some internet talent um that are kind of trending and hopefully come out with some entertaining stuff yeah they
2: can probably pick up one of those you uh vine stars that don't have vine to uh have their as a as their outlet anymore isn't that dead that's yeah. gone away yeah, yeah they
3: killed gone it. away yeah they kept killed the it. camera but that's it like the actual yeah. uh, user base and like actively updating your account is done yeah
1: that, I, that was that was the first app that i had someone younger than me tell me about and i was i felt really old because i was like what what is
0: mine <laughs> i loved Vine. the one that i still couldn't get behind is periscope that new one, um, never, yeah, I
3: never jumped on that one.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of people I know that use it, but I never was able to
1: get onto it. But I is knew that a few that people. New that, or did it just is that that's not super new. It just picked up speed recently, right? Because I yeah. thought I've heard of that a while back. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, just for a little bit. Yeah, yeah okay. just a little bit.
0: But um, I think Snapchat's targeting. I think like they're. This is kind of just a stretch to collect more ad revenue to just give them a little bit more of an income. I don't know
2: how you well mean- this is going to work. <laughs> What? yeah you mean any income right cuz yeah. they're they're not making any money <laughs> they're hemorrhaging money really badly yes. it would
1: be cool things- if they add some kind of like um sharing utility to the episodes where maybe you can take like a a 5 second clip and send it to someone cuz you know we have these group chats in Snapchat from you know our group of friends it it'd be cool if there was you know something entertaining and funny where we could just send a 5 second clip you know in reference mm. to a conversation we're having we're, we're having where maybe it fits the discussion
2: right like Actively. and and also I don't think this talked about where it's gonna fit in. Like, where is it it's gonna be in the Discover tab, or do you have to specifically follow, follow like Time Warner to get these shows? Like, I don't think that's gonna work out so well. <laughs> no,
1: that that wouldn't be preferred. Um, it it would be interesting to see if this winds up bringing a cost to Snapchat too, as opposed to it being a free utility. If they bring in a cable company, I'm curious because. I'm not sure how the cable company would really benefit from this unless it's tied to a series that you have to watch through the cable provider at some point.
0: Right.
3: Yeah. That was my thought was, uh, it could just be like side stories to a main television show that's already on like CW or something like that. So that was my thought. Um, yeah, I, th- I think their best bet is to start with either a, a, a off or, like, doing backstory on characters that are on TV shows that exist already or, like you said, grab a YouTube, grab, grab a couple YouTube stars who have tried movies and haven't made it and have them make something together. So you kind of like bringing back that nostalgia of that app that we don't have anymore.
1: That kind of right. makes the most – that makes the most sense to me too because – uh, cable's got to go somewhere. They're trying to do this uh, online streaming, the online streaming that they can do app-based services. So it only makes sense that they'd go kind of into YouTube direction of Snapchat these struggling, viral stars.
0: Cable's struggling. They're just going to yeah. work together to try to keep each other afloat <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but you see, yeah. I use Snapchat in bursts of time that are most mostly shorter than a minute. Go in, check, see my snaps, and then I put the phone away and I call it a day. And Snapchat's main target audience. They they've kind of created this app in my opinion that has this almost ADHD kind of approach to it where like everything happens in really short quick bursts and I don't know if this is going to hold people long enough to actually be effective like I don't know how well this deal is going to work out that way like I don't know if they're going to see a whole lot of return on investment in that way so
1: so to your point I don't know if it's going to you know um, be of interest to the people who are used to this short ADHD mm-hmm. kind of attention span with Snapchat, but I think that that's, that's their whole goal, right, is to change that, so it's one approach to it. I, I'm i in agreement with you. I don't know if it's going to work.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, they want to keep people in the app as long as possible, right, because that way they're going to view more ads uh, and then they're going to make more money, get that 50% cut, more of that 50% cut, so that's right. their goal, so if they, they put a couple ads in between these three to five minute Short clips, um, I wouldn't even call them clips at that point. Three to five minutes is like a mini, a mini, mini document, mini mini episode. Yeah, um, if they get the, get people to actually watch the full uh, video, not just look thirty seconds in and then swipe down and and dismiss it, um, I think that's gonna be really interesting how they manage to do that, get their viewership up, viewer minutes, how people how long people are staying within the app, and get those numbers up.
0: I think I've spent a grand total of two minutes in the discover tab. Like I don't, oh. <laughs> I, I know some people who watch them, but like I said, if like, and like you're saying, I don't know if this is going to hold people in there in the same way. It works on a platform like Facebook where you have people who are scrolling through their feed and reading statuses and stuff like that. But in a video based platform, I don't know. Like I, I, I just have serious doubts that it's actually going to work. But like you said, it it could go, it it really depends. I don't. Know. It could go either way. I'm not sure. They might lose people, but they might.
3: I don't know. In, in the, go ahead. All oh, you. Yeah. In the discovers tab, the only thing I've ever looked at is the IGN tab, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that and on occasion, like if ESPN's looks interesting when I scroll by, it, I'll I'll go to that. But uh, I think I mean, they have potential for sure with these small clips. I mean, there's. I can't believe that I'm going to admit this, but I downloaded some dumb app that I saw advertised on Instagram all the time. It was a free app. It was called Hooked. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be like these text conversations back and forth between people. So there's no video, no audio, nothing. It's just text conversations between people. And like the conversations were all very tense, very s- situations where people are like being real vague and you're not sure what's going on and people are getting frustrated. And then it would be like, and then all of a sudden, halfway through the conversation, or like a third of the way through the conversation, you're like – it's like, oh, you, you need to wait 20 minutes to do it again. I was like, no, come on. Just give me the answer. I just <laughs> want to see the end of it. It's like, like I just a soap opera text message. End. Exactly. So I was like, you know, if they – comedy is the, is obviously the quick one. You can do plenty of things in comedy in three to five minutes. But I think if you do just drama-filled situations going ba- – I mean – that app, I deleted it because I because I literally was ignoring work to do it. So, <laughs> um, like, it wasn't even that good. Half the stories I was like, right, I need to click through this so I can get a good one again. But like, that was good enough for me. I was like, did like the the good ones were so intense. I feel like you could do something with it. So they have the potential. It's just they have to go about it the right way. Just like most things.
0: Right, and I think comedy is going to work there. But the article mentions that they would that they could do something similar to like a Game of Thrones style like clip set, and. And, like you were saying, the drama might not necessarily work too well there. And I don't know if that approach is going to work out. It'll be interesting to see who they pull in to do these ads. And like, not just how Time Warner and Snapchat are approaching it, but like if they can do it in a different way that either Facebook or YouTube or something doesn't already do.
1: So, when you mentioned Game of Thrones, I think what you're referencing in articles, they're suggesting that they reach out, you know, and pull mm-hmm. in HBO to right. get Actual Game of Thrones clips or previews or character bios, whatever. Um, I'm I'm curious to see whether or not they're going to take that route or maybe try and create the content themselves. Right. Yeah. And kind of, while I have the floor for a second, I was going to comment earlier. Do you think that the actual utility of Snapchat is going to kind of expand from those 10 second snaps you can send to maybe something longer? Do you think that's kind of kind of defeat the purpose?
0: kind of has to if they're gonna to try to become more profitable but like I like I, we we brought this up in a couple other podcasts and I don't know how profitable the selfie is I don't know to the extent <laughs> of how far you can take that so um they do need to innovate really badly and it's good to see that they're trying and um, I'm, I'm not sure
3: don't they now it. let you add uh videos and photos from your photo <laughs> stream though they do Yes, yeah, so, I mean it's they they've started to go in that direction where it's just less about the selfie and more about the environment, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they do need to go longer because Instagram, which is the more popular app, is already longer than that. Well so. that's recent as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Facebook and all of them are adding all their stories and going through and just they couldn't buy them, so they're just gonna recreate them.
2: Yeah, so pretty much, and Put they're them. already beating them. Instagram's already being Snapchat and the
1: number of people using it daily.
0: Yeah, it's because uh, it's all in one
1: app. People yeah, are oh, gonna... when, I, when I was just in San Francisco, everywhere I looked, there's somebody scrolling through an Instagram feed. I mm-hmm. I was very, very aware of it. I probably over a hundred people during a twenty minute walk.
0: Yeah. And it's... if you're gonna and if you're gonna keep people in one app for more and allow them to do more then that's where the profits going to come from. If they can stay in Facebook and then like oh post something to a story real quick. They're going to do it. Like I've seen friends who are using the Facebook story on top of Instagrams as well. So, if they're in one app, they're going to it's going to be more effective for them.
1: What would really be interesting to me is if there's some kind of um granted it would take them outside the app unless they add a browser functionality, but it'd be interesting in Snapchat if there were, if there were some kind of hyperlink utility. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not sure how that would pan out, but that's basically what is missing compared to the other ones. If you could think about it,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I think their ads in the Discover tab have something like that. I think if you swipe a certain direction, or if you tap, it can open up the ad or something. I haven't ever tried it. I've always just dismissed it whenever an ad popped up. But
3: it's I
1: know awesome. that
3: during uh, during the um, I'm sorry uh, on the Discover tab. A lot of times it'll be like uh, in the middle of it, it'll say, you know, check out so for the IGN, for example, they'll be doing like a list of top 10 video game villains and they'll go through the 10 quick videos. But then in, after Villain 6, they'll say, check out our top 10 heroes and you can swipe up and it'll take you to the website.
1: Oh, cool. I did not yeah. know that existed.
3: Yeah, I know Instagram does the same thing on their stories as well. So,
1: Right.
0: Um, and also just to... Uh, just to kind of wrap this topic up, um, like we are like, just to, what we were saying, they do need to innovate, and I think we're going to see deals like this come through all the time. Um, just everything, just them trying different things or trying to be exciting in a different way. And, uh, it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't necessarily suggest buying any stock, but then again, I'm not a stockbroker, <laughs> so.
1: It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out with net neutrality as well. If you have these service providers getting involved in uh, media streaming and these mainstream apps,
0: yeah, right. I mean, Comcast or AT&T. I mean, has DirecTV and Comcast had a deal with Netflix a little while ago? So, um, and I, I don't think we're going to see anything going away with that with the current um, with the current FCC
1: chairman now a snapchat netflix intertwining would be really interesting
0: <laughs> that would be strange
1: <laughs> i mean really talk- want to
0: watch videos
2: in vertical view i hate well, vertical videos
0: so do i i immediately close out anything on youtube that is in vertical view. that is in vertical view unless i'm watching it on a phone <laughs> oh. but um to go into the next topic um We bring up AI all the time on this podcast, and there was the one we were talking about where the AI invented its own form of encryption, but now they're inventing their own form of communication, or at least, um, kind of, if they're left in a room by themselves long enough, they degrade in language to something that's not quite recognizable by humans, but they're still going back and forth with each other. Um, Anybody want to jump off with this Facebook article, or do you want me to... Going a
3: little bit more? No, I'll jump off a little bit. So, I mean, I read it and my first thought was, well, of course, like I read the headline first and I was like, well, now I'm terrified. Um, <laughs> just like how I felt when they create, create their own encryption like we talked about in a, in a different podcast. Like my immediate thought was, OK, the future is here. We're going to be taken over by robots and we're all doomed. It's, it's a nightmare. Uh, and then you read it and you're like, OK, well, it's more of just they continued to communicate and bounce ideas off of each other but when you read the text it just <laughs> it's nonsense it's right doesn't make any sense unless i mean unless one maybe, of you can can understand well, may, it, it maybe maybe to
2: make, so. maybe to us it's a nonsense right to us it's your <laughs> person,
3: but they can understand it that's the scary part right just so let s- me believe that it's nonsense i'm already scared <laughs> enough Irv. the kerning on the letters is slightly <laughs> different to hide the secret message that
1: they know so that's that's definitely an interesting point i was thinking more lines you know, the the example they give they repeat to me to me to me to me over and over again i was thinking maybe if one's like a one and the other's a zero you could take <laughs> Get like this binary sort of combination of words that means so much more to them. I thought yeah. that
3: too. They also like balls, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he does. It says it in the article, YouTube, don't be mad at me. It Alice. says it in the article. Well, yeah. no, it's, it's a, yeah,
0: balls have zero to me. They, they mean, Obviously <laughs> that means nothing to him. So it's actually the opposite.
1: <laughs> they also use the digit zero in one circumstance as opposed to the word zero in another. So there's that sort of duplicity there. It's
0: testing the field out there. The article is the, definitely a little bit alarmist, though. I agree with you and like yeah, how they approach. Definitely. Like they invented their own language, but if, like he said, if you read it, it's just basically the equivalent of the guy that set up those two Google Homes to talk to each other. Where it was just, <laughs> they just said
1: "I love you" back and forth for like forty-five minutes, and then that was it. And then they would transition <laughs> uh, to something. That else. was not it. <laughs> <It's>
0: <laughs> it was like just two.
1: I'm gonna kill you, and then I'm. I'm I love you. Back and forth. <laughs> it was like a middle school relationship. That's how that whole thing played <laughs> out. <laughs>
0: Very passionate, the, and it went out in a
3: huge flame. The thing that um th- that's only noted for a quick second at the end is the thing that's probably the most like alarming to me, really, when you break it down. is they, At the end of the article, it says, researchers also found these bots to be incredibly crafty negotiators. Yeah, They're learning yeah. to negotiate the, ba- the bots' relied on machine learning and advanced strategies in an attempt to improve the outcome of these negotiations. They became quite skilled at it and even began feigning interest in one item in order to sacrifice it at a later stage in the negotiation as a compromise isn't that crazy that's that's the scary part like when you really go into in depth you read the headline you're like oh my god then you see the conversation you're like oh okay and you could easily click out of it like ah, stupid machines yeah balls have zero who cares this
0: article is a roller coaster
3: yeah exactly (laughs) that's exactly how i felt and then i read the end and i was like what is happening why are we just like why was that the footnote like oh my yeah. light <laughs> <It's just an laughs> like aside. the language is like not even
1: that important when you think about that concept.
3: <laughs> yeah and the last part is way more alarming to me than yeah. like oh, they talk to each other in like some weird way. I don't know. That's manipulation being done yes. by
1: a machine <laughs> to another exactly. machine. Imagine if it's done to a human who's gonna just get played. It's like they know a oh, language it's... also it just happens to be nonsense,
0: but he's also really good at getting what it wants. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I mentioned this in episode one or something when we talked about AI before, but imagine a telemarketer, this AI that sounds like a human that can just negotiate like no other. That would be it's like yeah, I'll sign up with your cell service, sure.
0: <laughs> oh my god. This is these these articles are fun to to see them how they're like writing out like this and to see the the progression of AI and you're gonna get all these interesting like quirky articles that pop up about them teaching themselves language, but that that end part was just ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I forget what episode I brought it up in, but I remember talking about the. Um, there's one group who was working on a, a robot with an AI that was refusing to listen if it thought that it was in danger.
1: Right. Yes, this is when we're talking about self-driving cars. I think.
3: Yeah. So imagine listening having an AI that refuses to listen to you and is also awesome at negotiating <laughs> together oh my like, god like you're it right. convinces you that it's right for ignoring you like that's insane to think about I'm going to
0: yeah you're going to see this show up on judge judy in a couple of weeks <laughs> as like one of the lawyers
1: <laughs> i'm imagining that you, that viral video of the the little kid is going linda 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 <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> Uh, Do you imagine Judge Judy yelling at a robot? Oh, Um, jeez. Or Judge (laughs) Joe Brown just giving it that look over his glasses? (laughs) Sir, please sit down.
2: Yeah, it's (laughs) fascinating what's possible now with machine learning and how quickly it's progressing. uh, Mm -hmm. Too, And and a lot of people are warning that we must be careful, uh, tread carefully uh, Mm -hmm. with AI because it could be uh, bad. I know Elon Musk is one of the big proponents of taking things slowly Mm -hmm. with ai because he 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 knows that it could advance real quickly and get out of hand.
0: he's not exactly doing anything to slow it down on his part you were telling me that he just this today that he hired like one of the top machine learning developers in the world yeah for tesla so he's certainly not slowing it down on his side
3: but, yeah, that's all I want is just let's take our time getting there. Let's not get ahead of ourselves so we're not prepared for what's going to happen next. Like, mm-hmm. it's well, awesome to think about all these things, but we have to make sure that we're in control of it at all times before we keep advancing. And in, 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 I know like technology advances at ridiculous levels, but if we're not in control, that's when everyone's going to be scared and robots are going to rule the world.
1: So, you need to have a, a good ratio of research to development, and the fact that development's much more profitable. Uh, in the short term needs to be taken into consideration there yeah there are serious consequences to ignoring that so
0: and we also have the benefit of literally hundreds of sci-fi movies of every possible scenario that could go wrong so there's like a lot of material that people can look at to kind of be like okay we should avoid this scenario we don't want an irobot or we don't
1: want a 2001 a space odyssey
3: yeah hey don't do that right there
1: (laughs) you see that don't don't do that don't do that and that's what's generated by the human mind as far as we know Mm -hmm. these robots could have some way more sinister (laughs) plan or they could just it could just they could all form come together and be
0: like okay we're way better than you so we're just going to leave and do something on our own and then they go off and then there's like some hyper intelligent machine race in the galaxy to mars
1: and we've accidentally created
0: transformers
3: (laughs) they don't need uh, oxygen Yes. I would take a Transformer. That'd be all right. <laughs> just like just Op- one, though. Just yeah. one. Optimus Prime. You get two, then they're going to fight.
1: You want- Minimus Prime. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Nice.
0: Nice. But um, just to, to kind of jump into the next topic, just because it'll take up a little bit more time. Um, the article from BBC News about the Euro MPs backing end-to-end encryption for all citizens this seems to fly in the face of everything that I've seen coming out of Theresa May's mouth in terms of (laughs) what they want for encryption. And even there's countries like Germany that are taking a little bit more of a political stance and they've always been kind of lax on, on privacy just because of their history of, of what they used to be. So um, I'm curious to see um, how this is going to hold up and um, what's going to happen with the end-to-end encryption for Europe, because I think we're treading on thin ice here with encryption and the, the terrorist problems that you're having in Europe and especially the UK. Do anybody want to jump into this with their thoughts? It's a bit of a loaded article, so it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, where to begin? Like <laughs> it's a draft legislation, so it's just um, just to kind of lead off on it. It's the they quote. Um, uh, WhatsApp's like privacy protections. Um, then it calls for a ban on backdoors into encrypted messaging apps like WhatsApp and Telegram. Um, just stuff that kind of keeps people's data private. And it's it looks like it was written and thought of by a bunch of more technically minded politicians. So right. they're saying, for example, encryption involves digitally scrambling a communication to protect its contents than using a digital key, which is basically just what encryption is, and and like going into end-end encryption is that they don't have access to the key, meaning they can't listen in. Um, it's just kind of upholding the, the important aspects of encryption and why we need it as a society, because if we don't have encryption, we don't have secure credit card transactions, we don't have secure um, database logs, or we don't have secure medical records online, and there's there seems to be some kind of cognitive disconnect between politicians and this information. Maybe it's money, but I don't know where that is. But this article I think does a pretty good job at summarising um, both what encryption is and um, what the like what how to stop what's happening in Europe, not at a hundred percent like stopping the terrorism, but kind of kicking in
1: against cybercrime
0: yeah some legislature to kind of keep that afloat
1: so i i don't know if you guys want to get somewhat political or you know societal with this conversation but what do you think about what do you think about the backdoors um you know this this issue that came up with the government and apple in the past where they wanted access to um the the terrorist phone iphone to get access to what communications they were having do you think that that should be allowed in special circumstances is it safer to um maybe it's better for more people to not have access uh to this information as the government or do you think that in special circumstances it should be warranted what do you think
3: so i think that if you could stay true to the special circumstances it's warranted then yes But you know that the second that the access is granted, it's going to be abused. It's going to be used to the fullest extent for anything that they might deem necessary. And that's – unfortunately, that's the realistic view on it, and I think that that's the reason I'm against it. Like in the moment when you first hear about it with the terrorist situation, I was just like, well, yeah, like I would like to know their communications and how they got to where they were. But it also means that you now have the open door to see whatever you want from anybody so where does it stop how do we make sure that that's all you're doing and all you're using it for and that's just it's because that quote-unquote gray area exists Even though i think it's pretty black and white they're going to abuse it if they have access it, it, it I, I would have to lean towards no
2: right and it's not just the government trying to use those back doors once you make a back door it leaves it open for hackers to try to find it and get in yeah. themselves using that same back door that was my um, thought and, process and, as well. And you have to give the government enough credit to keep that backdoor safe, which
3: I don't know <laughs> about you, but I don't <laughs> trust the government
2: to be that confident uh, right. to keeping that safe, keeping that encryption key that lets them into that backdoor safe and not let it uh, leak out uh, by WikiLeaks or some other uh, entity uh, entity like Anonymous Uh, things like that, they might get a hold of it and then release it to everyone. Now everyone else, everyone in the world has access to that backdoor. But because Uh, they're probably
3: listening right now, we love you, government.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention it's also in the financial interest of companies like Apple and Facebook with WhatsApp to protect people's security because they've been advocating this for so long and people buy their phones because it's more secure and they feel safer communicating on those devices and using those apps so I, it's going to be something that not only some of these legislat- these politicians are going to fight for, but also you're going to see a lot of kickback from like, the tech community. Because, like you were saying with backdoors, when you break it down to its core, encryption is pure math. And math either works or it doesn't. And there's no way to both maintain bulletproof security that we have in encryption and also have a backdoor. That allows people to come in and read your information whenever you want right and we all know the government hasn't exactly been great at keeping these a secret with the nsa leaks of their tools and with the fbi more recently so i don't know if i want them doing that like i don't know if i trust them
3: yeah definitely
1: <laughs> not great at that mm-hmm. so would you support this this concept of encrypting everyone's data for their sake
0: Yeah, um, the only confliction that I have is, um, it used to be possible, being that in like so many years ago, you used to be able to you could wiretap people's phones and you could go through mail, you could intercept communications that way. But now we're living in an age where the same device that we communicate from, we store our bank information on, we store our most personal details. Um, to some people, a phone is basically an extension of their brain. So pretty much, it, it we're in this like interesting place where we don't know how to place a, a smartphone in the importance of keeping people's information secure. And um, I'm all for wiretapping because it's proven to be secure and it works, um, and it doesn't exa- and it's not it can't really be abused by third parties because the lines are controlled by the government, but. I don't know how I feel about them forcing commercial parties to do this because my biggest thing is if you take encryption away from people like us, then people who still want it will get it or they'll make their own.
1: So, this encryption's on the actual peer device, correct? Mm-hmm. From what I'm reading in the article. So, basically, it's how's that going to be legislated? where you trust these tech companies to create the encryption method, but also the person who's you know, trying to get this ball rolling uh, can't have access to it. Is that kind of like saying, take this out of our hands, protect well, our citizens for us?
0: That would be a federally mandated law, I would think. So
1: that How can be... they regulate it if they don't have access to it, though?
0: Well, they could... They, they would ha- I'm sure it would be tested and they would be able to I'm sure that, I'm sure that they have a long list of smartphones they want to get through so they could probably immediately put that to use and they would know right away if it works or doesn't work right so <clears throat> and then also on top of that with that being written in law they'd be able to subpoena these companies for this information whether they have it or not and you'd see them getting hit with huge fines so it would be in the interest of both parties if this passes to write encryption for their phones. And I don't know if it's going to be mandatory more so than just kind of if they support open encryption, it's protected by law. So, because um, the chat apps like Allo by default don't have this kind of communication where it's encrypted on both ends, unless you specifically enable it. So, I don't know if... It's going to be mandated, like mandatory. Everything has to be communicated or, or not.
1: But And lastly, how, how effective do you think it's going to be? Do you think that it's going to be untouchable? Because I feel like there's a lot of... How, to, how shall I phrase this? There's a lot of internet activity that is eventually filtered through by the government, mm-hmm. whether and, there's encryption on it or not.
0: Yeah. And there's always going to be problems with the endpoints so whether you have encryption or not, if you can get access to the physical device or if you can put something in that intercepts the message when it comes out at the other end of the encrypted node, then you're still going to be able to to monitor their information. It's I think it's more so just protecting information in flight to its
3: well, that's, destination. That makes sense to me, yeah. So was this a hot button topic because of a specific instance or just because it's a hot button topic in general? I think just... Like, did yeah. something happen that caused this conversation to start or... People were just
0: freaking out because of all the terrorist attacks in Europe and okay. uh, in Britain. And you're starting to see countries that were really big advocates of privacy, like um, like Germany and stuff, reconsidering their stance because it's putting people's lives at danger. But... What I think they need to realize is that if someone wants to encrypt their communication, they're either going to find a program that does it for them or write their own piece of software that does the same thing. I don't think writing a law to take it out of commercial products is going to solve the problem. Because any good any good person who's, or any bad actor who's trying to Organize a crime in his right mind isn't going to use WhatsApp. He's going to use some other form of communication.
1: I was just reading something similar about how these uh, terrorist organizations in the Middle East and, you know, and their, their appendages, so to speak, in other countries are communicating through encrypted apps where the messages disappear after they're viewed, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So Snapchat. <laughs> yeah.
1: Encrypted snaps.
3: Bring it all full circle.
1: <laughs> and there's also the, you know, the, the actual service provider or um, I guess application provider in this circumstance, is their data on their servers on their back end going to be encrypted the same way? Yeah. So what if it's end-to-end to encrypted,
2: uh, it could be stored on the server of the service provider, but that mean if it's end-to-end encrypted, that means the private key that encrypts everything is all, is located on the person's uh, device only, and the service provider does not have access to it. Mm-hmm. The you know example, yeah. So the example that uh, Matt brought up with Allo, there's an option to start an end-to-end encrypted uh, chat by, but by default, uh, the default communication is encrypted. But it's through Google servers and Google is allowed to read um, anything um, going through their servers. Uh, And the reason that they do that is they want to give Google Assistant uh, data so that they could uh, provide suggestions. If you're talking about a restaurant or you talk about going out to eat, it's going to suggest
1: restaurants for you. If they did end-to-end encryption, they couldn't do that. So that kind of touches on the three points I was going to bring up is how's that going to affect provider metrics? Um, I was also going to mention, is this going to be forced on users or is it going to be an option like Allo, which you're touching on? And lastly, are they going to... How do I phrase this? If if the EU in this circumstance is going to force this on companies, I guess it's not exactly related to what you're saying, but um, how how intense is this going to be enforced? Is it going to be, you know, a certain amount of bits of encryption that's needed right. um, and how, how are companies going to react to this? So do they have any ability to resist or take this to court? Something like that. Uh, there's going to be additional you know, work that they're going to have to do to develop this that's mandated now by the government. Mm-hmm. It's, I wonder, I'm curious to see how smoothly that's going to go.
0: Right. And, and in the in the article, Um, They specifically mentioned the Conservative Party's pitch during the election campaign that happened in the U.K., and they were saying tech firms should provide the authorities access to information as required, but also said they don't want to weaken encryption at the same time, which I think those two things, you can't have them both together. (laughs) I don't think that's possible.
3: Right, so would it be a situation like... Okay, well, you can sit next to the authorities. You go in and do it. You show us what the information is and then you just fix it again. Like I don't I don't know what they expect. It's it, it's either one or the other. I mean, it's not like a quick like, oh, I I lifted up the the edge of the notebook and saw the note in the corner. Like it's not that simple. Right. Yeah.
0: And it's not too hard to write code that is workable in a situation where you need to provide some kind of access to encrypted data you could just generate another key for the third party who wants to access that information and that wouldn't that wouldn't benefit or harm anybody on any side of this it would nobody would even know it would just be a, a third party that can decrypt but it's it's important to know who's going to have the access to generate those keys and Uh, if they're going to be one-time use or if it's going to be like a skeleton key type thing where they can always monitor that conversation or
3: something like that. I feel like the the only way I would be okay is if it were one-time use and it were the people that were... That you, I mean like the companies that made it, the people that you already know mm-hmm. have access. So like law enforcement can go to Apple and say, hey, we need you to look at this specific person, and this is the exact reason why. Not just like, hey, we think they might be weird or like, hey, they did something. We need to know how they got there and who they were talking to, what was said. You give, You give us those conversations. Mm-hmm. So whoever XYZ position at Apple who works – with the uh, the law enforcement, whatever, like maybe they have that specific job. They're the one who goes in. So it's not just law enforcement. Like, hey, why don't you let me go peek in and see what I can find? Mm-hmm. No, you told me one specific thing. I can go to that person's conversation, find out exactly what was said, and give you a report on it. But it's a one-time use. That's it. You, no one else has access to it. I think that's like right. the only way that it might be remotely acceptable.
0: Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, with the San Bernardino. Um shooting with the iPhone, and I know you yeah. brought that up at the beginning, there was a lot of developers at Apple who threatened to quit if they were forced to write software like that. So it's even more so decentralized for the company, not not only financially, but they're going to lose talent that isn't going to want to do that. Right. So,
1: and...
2: Interesting I, I, battle,
1: but... Yeah. Um... I'm also wondering if we have any listeners out there who maybe have some experience with encryption that might have some feedback for this episode um, after it's published, obviously. Um, please provide that in comments or messages to us. And uh, on on that note, I think for this episode, we're ready to enter a break if everyone's ready. I
0: can go for a break.
1: So uh, okay. coming up after the break, we do have some uh, more news for you, including Amazon's acquisition of Whole Foods, uh some more news about uber and some public service announcements for you about some vulnerabilities we've picked up through the week so thanks everyone and we'll see you in round two
3: Welcome back to Industry 4.0, everybody. Still on the line here is myself, Kyle. You have Jeff, Matt, and Irvin as well. Make sure that if you guys have enjoyed what you've heard so far, you can check us out on every possible form of media you could imagine. You can go to industry4o, all spelled out, .podbean.com for our main page. You can go Google Play and find our podcast by searching Industry 4.0, as well as iTunes and YouTube, both Industry 4.0. And if you go to Twitter, you can find us at Industry 40. Facebook.com/Industry40, all spelled. Out. That's F-O-U-R-O-H when I say spelled out. And if you're unsure if you found us, you can always look for our image. It's Industry with the number four and a black and green gears. But more important than that. We want to keep bringing you solid content, so we're going to kick this off right into a huge, huge acquisition. Amazon going out and buying Whole Foods for $13.4 billion. Wow. Delicious. I was just at Whole Foods today. No, you were at Amazon today. (laughs) That's That's where you were. (laughs)
0: Welcome to Amazon. Here we are.
3: (laughs) But obviously, Amazon has put a lot into their – a lot into their, their, you know, possibly doing these markets where you can walk in and they've done these test stores where you can just pick stuff up and walk out and they're doing a lot of stuff with the home delivery and they're possibly doing uh, robots that will come deliver to you and drones that will deliver food to you and stuff like that. What does this really mean for both supermarkets and Amazon? It
2: brings them physical stores. They've been trying to get physical stores, move on from their online business and this gets them... A start, it's not a big number of stores. I know I don't, they only have a uh, and they're in the hundreds of stores for Whole Foods around the country, and they're mostly located in the upscale parts of uh cities that are higher income. Uh, But this definitely gets them a, a, a huge uh start, and it's probably cheaper. Uh, just to spend this 13.4 billion dollars and to self, start from scratch and and build those st- stores out themselves, uh, one by one, uh, and it gives them that that uh, system that Whole Foods has built for uh, getting fresh produce and 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 fresh products into their stores, and uh, maybe they can tie it into their warehouses, their Amazon Fresh uh, service that they already have. You can get deliveries directly from Whole Foods, uh, right? Uh, from Amazon and things like that. They're going to keep the company separate, so they're going to still have the Whole Foods CEO is still going to be part CEO of Whole Foods, so they're not fully uh, merging but uh, as a, as one entity, but uh, they're going to keep that Whole Foods name and and operate as uh, things move along, and, and we'll see what they do with it, but I'd love to hear you what you guys think might happen, you, additional you know. to...
0: You mentioned that Amazon mostly, um, like the Whole Foods is mostly targeted towards people with a higher income because it's mostly in higher income areas. Um, Amazon, in a way, is kind of the same thing because I, I think I saw an article somewhere that said <clears throat> that Amazon is mostly the prime holders, the users of Amazon Prime, mostly range between fifty and 90000 annual <laughs> salary. So Mm -hmm. to, to kind of, it's almost like a lateral move for them. It's their same demographic, the same people who shop at Amazon the same people who go to Whole Foods most times who are regular prime subscription holders. So I'm excited going forward if they're going to start using Whole Foods as like a playground for things with Amazon, like the Amazon fresh service or having even something as far as maybe their customer service will allow return of Amazon products going as far as that, that would be cool. So um, it's, it's cool to see them finally getting storefront. It allows them to compete with companies like Walmart, um, more specifically Walmart, actually, um, to kind of get a foothold in the brick-and-mortar market and see if they can take other, other, take on other companies who have made this move also.
1: So I'm not sure about Amazon Fresh, actually. Um, I've heard of it in the past. I don't know the specifics about it. But uh, when I heard about this merger slash acquisition, the company which I've used in the past uh, called Peapod uh, for grocery delivery, it brings a refrigerated truck right to your door with your online grocery order. I know there's other providers like this, but basically it skips you the hassle of going to the store. You can schedule a delivery you're there during a certain window of time, you get a phone call, you go to the door and um, uh, employee of the company brings out your groceries from a truck and basically hands them to you so you can take them into your refrigerator or pantry, what have you. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if Amazon Fresh works exactly the same way, but regardless, it provides them basically hubs in, Every major city and a lot of small towns slash suburbs mm-hmm. where there's already a Whole Foods as um, a location where they can obtain the, you know, the, the food from to deliver in a much um, quicker fashion.
3: It basically, I mean, it really just mimics what they did with their warehouses. I mean, most companies go with two or three huge warehouses across the country. They decided to do smaller ones all around the country instead of like just down south where the where it might be cheaper land or what have you. They're they're mimicking the exact same thing. Like you, like you said, it fits into their demographic. But then they they copied that idea and just said, hey, it fits in perfectly with what we've done in the past and what we've already mastered and what we're possibly the best at. Why not? And
1: it makes me wonder if they're going to do something similar with um, a major clothing retailer, for example. When you look at the, yeah. the Echo Looker, uh, maybe it's just called Amazon Look. I actually forget the exact name. But maybe they're going to do this with uh, a clothing retailer as well where you shop online and it comes right from a local store.
0: Right. Yeah. This is their they, first they, jump into yeah. the grocery store market and the yeah. first like brick-and-mortar market. So I, I wonder – I'm thinking that also. Like what other moves can they make?
2: Mm -hmm. they're definitely getting into that wardrobe because they just launched a um, competitor to those services that lets you uh, pick out clothes online and they'll send you those and you can try them on and only keep what you like Um, like uh, Trunk Club is one of them there's also plenty of them uh, that are tailored toward men and women Um, they just launched a, a test trial for that and the cool thing about that particular one is the more uh, clothes that you keep, the higher discount that you get on the total order. So if you just keep one, you get you don't get no discount. If you keep two, you get a 10% discount. You keep three, it goes up by 10% each mm. one that you keep. That's kind of interesting model. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because a lot of people buy things on Amazon, right, to try on, especially clothes, because you don't know how it's going to fit on you. Mm-hmm. And they send it back. So now there's this subscription service that says, hey, I want to get these five things shipped to me and and I'll, I'll send back things. It's not going to charge me until I like, say, hey, I want to keep these.
0: And that's For the same business. thing happening with sure. Amazon Fresh. It's it's not taking off because people would rather buy their groceries in person. Mm-hmm. So everyone now has an opportunity. or Amazon now has a, um, a dent. They can now make a dent in that market. And I think the article mentioned... Yeah, they said it was an $800 billion annual spending on groceries in the United States. And that revenue is huge if they can make it competitive with companies like I think it's interesting they brought up Walmart because it's coming from two very different points. Because you have Amazon with Whole Foods and those are both kind of more upscale. Whereas Whole Foods started in rural areas and started at very low low prices. So I'm curious as to... How that competition is going to expand going forward.
1: And you're talking about uh, you also, you mentioned a point about people preferring to be in person and buy their groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience with the food delivery services I've used um, for groceries, there's certain things I will take that route with where I want to be there to get it, such as vegetables and fruits. Um, but when it comes to something like deli meat or cereal, um, even milk, uh, if if it's pretty acceptable for me to just have that delivered because it's it's what you're, you're gonna get what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. When you go and pick out um, a vegetable or fruit for example, it's what you see is what you get. you pick out which peach you want, which mm-hmm. looks you know if it's a banana if it's ripe or you know
3: a little bit older it, I, I don't know. Maybe the the fix to that is instead you know if you order hey I want a, a pound of apples, If a pound is four apples, they bring like 15 apples with them from shop right around the corner and say, hey, pick out which ones you want. We'll measure it out. Here's a pound. Cool. All right. We take the rest back. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Who knows?
0: Yeah, because people like to – some people prefer them a little more ripe than others and some people don't. And you see people standing there for tens of minutes just kind of fumbling around with fruits and vegetables at the grocery store, just finding the ones that they like.
1: Is is could, is there such a thing as trademarking a term while on a podcast? Because I think it's going to be Agora with capital G O.
3: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't know if that's such a thing, but we're doing it. That's you're welcome,
0: Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yes. Oh man, um, we could we could actually start trademarking stuff. Let's just do that. Let's just uh, pivot. Yeah. Agora TM. Yeah. TM. TM. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. And yeah, this is this move that Amazon made is similar to Walmart's move to acquire the internet retailer Bonobos. And it also apparently agreed to it, it paid $3.3 billion for Jet.com and put their executive over the e commerce business in there. And it seems like Amazon and Walmart are kind of coming out of the opposite points like amazon's right. coming from yeah. being an online retailer to a to a kind of brick and mortar and they're breaking into that which seems completely opposite of how like like where they where their core values were and you have companies like walmart who i don't know if anybody has been on walmart's online like website to do their shopping there but it's really well done and it's really modern and up-to-date unlike basically every walmart i've ever been into in my entire life <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. It's Target. Target's not bad either. The in-person Walmart experience is a nightmare.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some um, like really, really competitive Black Friday deals on Walmart.com because they're just trying to get people to use their web platform that they overhauled, and I'm sure that came straight from Jet. But I honestly thought Whole Foods was worth a little bit more than that. It was worth more than three point four billion or thirteen point four billion. Thirteen point four, yeah. Because Microsoft bought LinkedIn for like what twenty six billion, and it's just it's weird to me that that something that I'm going to like a like a brick and mortar company
1: is worth there's there's probably a lot lot more overhead for Whole Foods there is for LinkedIn though yeah so you you got to take that into account it costs a lot more to run them
3: so if there's
1: an eight hundred billion dollar market though in the United States alone and you figure Whole Foods is thirteen point four that's not a huge percent of that market um so i i'd like to think that they have some extravagant plans in
3: mind yeah, matt i need a job in order to buy stuff at whole foods so it's like that's true linkedin foods, come on. <laughs> which
1: one's worth more right yeah. <laughs> right it's like supply and demand in a different realm yeah. <laughs> i think uh, but uh, go ahead
0: i was going to say um i was just going to go into Just people, what the article kind of goes further on to say about people speculating what they might do with it. And they were saying kind of like how Amazon has expanded benefits into Twitch and their Twitch Prime. Um, They might do something similar to Whole Foods where if you have a Prime membership, you get special discounts at a Whole Foods in order to make it more competitive and keep people in their ecosystem.
3: That definitely makes a lot of sense.
0: Mm-hmm. that's going to
2: make that $99 a year that you pay for Amazon Prime a whole lot more valuable if they oh, keep yeah. it at that price. Right. Because they they keep adding stuff to that. And they really have, I mean, they've in- increased the price over the past couple of years. Uh, I think originally it was around, what, $79. Now it's at $99. So, um, But if they keep adding stuff to getting a Prime membership, it's going to be, Uh, If people can afford that $99 a year, it's going to be a no-brainer for people to get that because you're going to get things from Amazon uh, two days. You have Amazon video streaming. If you use that, um, you get extras maybe from Whole Foods. You get, uh, I don't know what, what type of incentives you might think that will be available that they could come
3: up with, but. Or maybe they'll tier their their Prime service, like 99 for Prime, and then if you want Whole Foods discounts, it's 129 for Primer. More Prime. Maybe, yeah. Yes. yeah. More Prime.
0: And then they come in with the lower tier. Optimus than, Prime. Yeah. And then they come in with the lower tier. I was going to say Minimus Prime.
3: Yeah, Minimus And it gives Prime. you the
0: slightly worse discounts than the other ones.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they actually charge you more for everything. <laughs> <So. Yeah. laughs>
1: Worth mentioning as well, and eventually affecting overall cost um, according to Wikipedia Whole Foods Market has 91,000 employees and when you have a company like Amazon um, Buying Whole Foods you have to wonder how many of those jobs are going to be replaced by machines or automated checkout for example right. yeah. um, How's it gonna f- affect the economy? How's it gonna affect? Um, what's available to people in terms of open jobs and how's that going to affect Whole Foods, and thus Amazon now? Uh, as a result, but
3: maybe they could do what you were mentioning, where you take some of those cashiers away, retrain them to be customer service reps, and now they're taking returns and exchanges in the in a corner of the store, like you have at other big box retailers. Yeah,
0: that's that's so the benefit. You don't
3: eliminate the job altogether, right? But you eliminate one position and create another one.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the benefit of having a brick and mortar store. You can always pivot someone to a different department in that store when their job is gone. Unlike right. um, if an online service or something takes something from somebody else or like you, it's hard to move someone from an industry that's like trucking, but it's way easier to get someone to work in a different part of a grocery store doing
1: something. Maybe they can get people involved in the tech side of it. They could. Oh, there you go.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think Amazon would be proactive in doing stuff like that. I think like, whereas other companies I think would be afraid to do that. I think they would welcome it. I think they would be like, hey, let's get you some training. Let's do a associates in our whatever you want to call it, not an actual Mm -hmm. associate, but like an equivalent in our – the way our programming works, the way our tech works. And let's get you doing something without letting you go because you're still a valuable person. You still worked here for a long time. We value your efforts. Let's just figure out how you can actually help us going forward in our ideals instead of what you were doing before. I
1: would think it would benefit them in the long run to do something like that. If you take someone who's
3: technologically um,
1: you know, skilled, um, not to be generational here, but people from the millennial generation, uh, the Gen Y generation are more technically inclined when it comes to computers. No offense to anyone who doesn't meet that criteria, <laughs> but if you find employees like that, maybe they'll be of use to you in kind of bridging that gap between customers and the back end.
0: And I'm curious to see if Amazon's going to turn Whole Foods into a playground for their new tech and their new innovations, like we were saying with the (laughs) self-checkout and just how far they'll actually integrate it. Like if you'll start seeing the Amazon logo around in Whole Foods or if it's going to stay exclusive, like I could see just a couple of quick things they could do would be using Um, Like I mentioned a little earlier, implementing Amazon returns into their customer service or even just putting one of those um, Amazon lockers in every Whole Foods so you can pick up your packages from Amazon while you're getting your groceries because that way they've already got you in a grocery store. That's
3: the easiest one for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, those are the two quick ones, and I think you're going to see those happen. But it'll be cool to see where this goes, and I'm I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on it. What
1: it's funny you, you mention Whole Foods as a sandbox because $14.3 billion uh, is obviously a lot of money. But uh, uh, total uh, assets of Amazon are eighty over $83 billion. Right. Total equity of over $19 billion. Um, and their net income is, as of 2016, $2.37 billion. So this could very well be uh, a, a test environment, so to speak, for Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're tapping into a market that generates $800 billion. So.
3: Yep. this is only <laughs> going to add
0: to that. So I don't know. I think it'll be cool to see where they go with this. And it's definitely an, a great move on Amazon's part. I didn't even know Whole Foods was up for sale to begin with. Um, Everyone I,
2: has their price, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> you don't have
2: I, to be for sale. If mm-hmm. they offer you enough money, they're like, yeah, sure. Right.
3: I have a quick question before we transition off of this real quick. So mm-hmm. you said the, the uh, service they were using before was Amazon Fresh, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah, were they, they Where were they sourcing that food from? Where was that coming from? That was my question as well.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know off the top of my head where they were sourcing it. Um,
3: probably because from... Yeah. Say they were sourcing it from local grocers, and you know having to pay or make deals with them—that's a—that's a cost-saving measure right there. Mm-hmm. Because now it's already in places that you own; you've already bought the the stuff yourself. And again, it's it—they probably didn't have them nearly. Uh. Uh. What's the word I'm looking for? The stores weren't as uh, well popular. There weren't as many stores in the country or areas in the country they were sourcing from at least at a cheap rate now you have the exact same idea that they had before they they decided hey the best way to get stuff into our people's hands is by making the line from point a to point b the shortest possible line so they did the idea of the smaller uh warehouses across the country that's exactly what you're doing here you're taking what could be one huge centralized area and spreading it all out and making it as quick as possible I mean, you can have stuff where you're going to have situations where you can order amazon at noon and it'll be there at three o'clock and you can have dinner ready at five. Like it's, it's there's, and it's whole foods, which is supposed to be higher quality stuff as it is. Like, I mean, it's, it perfectly follows what they've already done. And again, like you said, it's, it's a huge market that no one else was ready to tap into. $800 right. billion dollars a year. That's insane. I mean, they're, they're just, I don't know about where they got their, their stuff from before, but we know now and it's way more convenient. It has Everyone's
0: to Everyone's got to eat. Yeah. And yeah, and the, you were saying that now they can source groceries from Whole Foods providers and through Whole Foods itself. And that's kind of a similar thing to what Walmart did with the shipping when they bought ships and um, and tankers to actually deliver the goods to the stores. So they're just kind of cutting out paying other third parties to source their goods. So it's one step going forward in getting Amazon that much closer to beating out Walmart as the number one retailer in the country. And I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see what moves Walmart makes to retaliate, or if they do anything, or if they do something to overhaul their online services like Amazon does. But um, just for the sake of time, moving on to um, the next topic, we have... Travis Kalanick from Uber officially stepping down as CEO with all of this latest, with all the latest stuff in Uber news. It's one more nail in the coffin, I think, for Uber.
3: No way. (laughs) He stepped down. Why would he do that?
2: (laughs) So if you guys remember last week, we talked about that he was going to take a a leave of absence uh, Mm And now it's official that he's going to resign as CEO. Leave.
0: (laughs) Apparently, I have no idea why. This was pressure from the board for him to actually do this. It wasn't like his decision. And it's not like their stocks were tanking or anything or the media was making a mockery of Uber. I have no idea why their board members would want to kick Travis Kalanick out.
2: It's just a b- lot of bad news. I mean, we've talked about Uber almost every single episode, and none of it was good news,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? And that hurts the reputation of the company. And, exactly. Uh, it's negative the most, press. Right, and most of the time, the the people who get hurt are uh, that go are the CEOs. During that point, when those type of bad things, bad press happens, the CEO resigns and and moves on. Right. Uh,
3: and like you said, like they weren't getting killed yet. Like yeah. the next bad thing that happened, if that is the story that got caught up during an, a slow news cycle, it's not just going to be that one event. They're going to say this is on top of X, Y, Z. Yeah. Like they're even though they didn't talk about those other things, they're going to say this is after this happened and the, and the DUI incident and the sexual scandals and this. That, they're going to talk about it all and then they're going to get killed. You get out in front of it now, you don't have to deal with that very negative press. You're just dealing with a little bit of time.
1: So. Right. There's yeah. sexual harassment suits, uh, the claims that the company sexist in general. If you have the CEO leaving the company, that's almost like a fresh start from the public's point of view. So basically, you take out this, this figurehead of the company and replace it uh, with something more progressive or more um, willing to change in the eye of the public, whether or not that's true. It's going to change public perception and thus in Uber's eyes, hopefully benefit the company.
2: And it, and in the next step to actually the related, another Uber uh, story broke uh, shortly after uh, this news. They're trying to make good with their drivers. So uh, Uber didn't have uh, tipping built into their app. It was uh, this unwritten rule that you sort of could tip, couldn't, you shouldn't, shouldn't tip. Uh, Lyft had tipping built into the app. But now it's official that Uber wants to make amends with their drivers and they're building uh, tipping in directly to their app. Uh, so there's a step forward to improve the relationship between the drivers uh, and Uber uh, to get them more inclined to get back and start driving for Uber rather than Lyft. And they're saying that they're not going to take a cut uh, from that tip. So whatever you tip in the app, they're good, the driver's going to get that full amount. They're only going to take a cut from the actual fare, uh, which is uh, awesome on my end, because I want an easy way to tip someone if they're doing a really good job at their driving and uh, they got me there safely. I want to give them a little extra uh, something, and this gives me the ability to do that right within the app. I don't have to go uh, hunt for cash, and if, if I don't have any, then I was like, oh, sorry, I can't tip you, or it just makes it easy just like it is with the whole process of getting into
1: an Uber, getting to a place where you want. It's funny because this just happened to me today with an airport shuttle because I only had 20s on me. And no offense to the driver, but I was not going to give him 20 bucks for a lift from the airport to the uh, parking lot. But I very much so wanted to tip him, and there was no means to do so. When you get something like Uber where um, people who are city dwellers or maybe – Even suburban, whatever, if you're taking an Uber and you want to tip and you don't have the uh, means to do so with cash, it's very nice to be able to do so via app, knowing that the driver is going to get all of that.
0: Right. And Lyft having that feature, I tipped way more often just having it be there. Just if the driver was cool or held a good conversation or um, just the quality of the ride was good, if he drove carefully, stuff like that. Like it's good to, it allows people not only to, to make sure that they the drivers are being better taken care of. But also I view tipping as a way of kind of encouraging better driving habits with the Uber drivers too. So you'll see people who are just more considerate to their, their people that they're taking for a ride, um, receive generally better tips or people who do go the extra mile to kind of make sure that they're comfortable during the ride, like phone chargers or I was in an Uber and a guy had an iPad like strapped to the back of his chair and it was like playing, uh, offline Netflix movies.
3: I've seen that before. Yeah.
0: So, I I tipped that guy, and that was on Lyft.
1: Hey man, if it makes your drive better, deserves some kind of kudos. Mm
3: -hmm. So I. uh, So I wanted to throw something out there. Um, Feel free to judge away. I will. I will. I want your honest opinion. (laughs) But uh, so is it bad that I? So I I used Uber for a long time first. Didn't download Lyft. Uh, just because I was used to Uber ended up downloading it. And I remember being like, Oh, well I didn't tip on Uber. So why would I tip on Lyft?" And I, and I didn't tip the first lift I took. And I felt like that was so awkward to, to see the ability to tip and still hit and not like have to hit the down arrow to zero <laughs> mm-hmm. that I went back to Uber for that reason. I was like, I want to avoid it altogether. And then my girlfriend said that her dad tips Ubers anyway. Mm -hmm. And I was like... That's that's what I do. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, yeah, why wouldn't you? (laughs) Like, I'll tip a cabbie. Right. When I use Lyft, eventually, I would tip on there. But Uber, I was still like, eh. (laughs) 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 Like... Why wouldn't I pull a couple bucks out and hand it to the dude who just got out and took my bag out of the so, back? Of his car.
1: So what you're saying uh, is you're really disappointed
3: with this revelation that Uber's having? No, like I, <laughs> it's it'll make me feel less bad that I'm only using one because I can't tip. Now I'm like, oh, well, I can tip on all of them, so I'm gonna tip. Am I? Does that make me a bad person that I didn't do it until my girlfriend? Until I he didn't even tell me. I found out that my girlfriend's dad did it, and I was yeah. like, ah, oh, I should probably do it then. Maybe I I think so. We're
1: I don't think it makes bad. you a bad person. not a bad person. Per is, se. Am I a
3: bad person that I didn't use Lyft because it gave me the option to tip and I didn't want to feel bad for saying that's, no? That's
1: debatable. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. No.
3: That's a whole conversation
1: <laughs> about ethics. <laughs> We're gonna, I know, that's an, you, I know that's, you're not a bad person. So that's I another podcast. That
0: <laughs> yeah, this is the industry 4.0. No, this is Kyle's
1: ride sharing
3: history. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a that's a sidebar episode to come yeah, in the future. Sure, mm-hmm. every cab, Uber, or Lyft drive Kyle has ever had documented.
3: <laughs> Let me take you <laughs> back to two thousand six. Huh?
0: <laughs> the chronicles of ride sharing. Story by Kyle, but um, I think that it going off of what you said, um, having that option there, enables people who don't have cash, because I've never, I, I usually would try to if I had cash on me and. I wanted to tip the Uber driver. I would give him a couple bucks on the way out, or something, just for the just for usually going. Like if they went the extra mile, like we talked about earlier. But um, it's good that it gives me the opportunity to do that in Uber as well as Lyft because now I have the option to take care of people. I saw that shrug too.
1: <laughs> I
3: don't know about well, you guys. It was a chill. Yeah.
1: Honestly, honestly, if I'm at a restaurant, if I'm at a bar, if I'm in a cab you know, whatever, I almost always tip 20% regardless, just because usually employers take it into account that you're going to get tipped or at least they like to say that you're going to get tipped. Um, and having, I've bartended in the past, I've served for a brief amount of time in the past and I know that not everyone tips. In fact, sometimes people don't even pay the full bill. So, that gets deducted from the server employee's wage. And just just in general, if you're listening and if you deal with someone into service industry, please tip them. Don't just bail. Mm-hmm. Just tip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I know
1: tipping your lack of word makes it okay.
3: <laughs> yes. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and I know that tipping in Europe is actually kind of frowned upon frowned upon. So like it's it's America is tipping is a very American
1: thing. So it, well, it's in Europe there's things like healthcare that people get
3: <laughs> <laughs> and cheap internet and and they like get paid more and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, right? They know.
2: actually get a, a paycheck where yeah, they get yeah, like minimum place. wage, right, and, right. right? Right.
0: Yeah, yeah but um, it's uh, going off of how I approach for that. It's just interesting that this is even news. Like, oh, they added tipping into their app. Like, why wasn't that a thing from the beginning? You're in America. People tip. All the time why don't you give them an opportunity to kind of throw a couple extra bucks towards the driver and Lyft came out the gates with that and that was there from the beginning but yeah, I just I, I'm, I'm astounded that it's like even news that
3: I just think it was a way to to appear more appealing to us the people who are taking the rides I it mean comes back, yeah you're so used to getting a cab and then tipping the guy it's like hey well look you can use your phone to get a uh, totally other guy. Yeah. To show up hopefully, and you don't even have to tip them. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I'll try that out. That's and probably then, true. That's now that a, what you were getting at, yeah. Now that there's a difference.
1: Well, you assume they're being taken choice. care of, right? When when yeah, that happens, I think so. But. But so I, I guess in you know what two years ago you'd say thanks Obama, you know. Now I'm gonna say thanks Uber. <laughs> 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 Both sarcastic. Oh. Yeah.
0: Uh, But it's their Uber as a company is really in damage control mode now. And yes, I'm wondering with Travis Kalanick out who's going to take over, um, what are their steps going to be? Because I think they have that 180 days of change or 80 days of change plan that they're rolling forward with. So I'm curious what's going to come forward, who's going to step up, um, if they're going to take on some like big name CEO who's run other companies to help with the damage control or if they're going to go the route of cleaning house and then starting from the ground up.
1: I would think that they're just going to appoint a new CEO, like you're saying, from a reputable company. But also, I think it's important to mention, at least, um, that this isn't all about the patrons of Uber. It's probably about acquiring or maintaining drivers. Adding this tip functionality is probably going to help them uh, stay afloat in the midst of all these changes
0: yeah they're realizing that oh wait they should care about their drivers because right they're not getting any further right now with the self-driving car thing and they're rolling it back
1: i mean i don't know about every i'm sure there are drivers out there who use uber as their main occupation but i know plenty of drivers out there who use it as a second job and now if you have the ability to get tipped and that's being advertised they have a new ceo maybe changes are rolling out um I think that's going to maintain or bring in
3: uh, drivers. The real question is: Do they bring back their uh, their slogan? Get your side hustle on.
1: <laughs>
3: now that you can actually make money, like that isn't getting stolen from you.
0: Mm-mm.
3: Will they bring back the best slogan in radio ad history? And that makes you wonder if Travis is getting his side hustle
1: on right now. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
0: oh
1: man! But um. I think do you, guys want, do you Do you want to go real quick touch on that HP vulnerability? Yeah, there's a, a little bit of a security
0: bulletin that I wanted to do and cue the newsroom footage and the sound effects for all that stuff. Hold on, <laughs> grab my paper. Here we go. <laughs> beep 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 beep. But um, there was a there was a podcast that I was listening to with um, like a, a famous computer scientist and the guy who wrote a bunch of software that everybody uses, Steve Gibson. Um, he wrote the Never 10 software to keep people from getting Windows 10 on their computers. And he wrote SpinWrite to like save hard drives. But he was talking about a security vulnerability on his podcast that was on Tuesday. And there was apparently the entire line of HP printers has a security vulnerability that was around and has been out for a good while now. And a patch has been made available around two months ago to fix this problem and like a brief summary is it is of the HP printers is that um like a long story short is they're basically running a full distro of linux with the printer uh firmware running on top of that and if someone utilizes this vulnerability and I won't get into the details of it they can gain access to your entire network and get into your home network so i just kind of wanted to bring it to anybody's attention in our podcast as well who's who owns an HP printer and is listening to this to go in and enable the automatic update feature because they disable that by default which means nobody's going to download the update if unless they explicitly do it so i'm seeing yeah Kyle you got to go and go into the software yep. with your <laughs> yes i do yeah and your printer probably came with software that installed on your computer when you set it up yes so just it's going to be in in the settings in there cool and it's just an auto update check checkbox and you just
3: turn that on see it is an important psa the more you know a lot of people have a lot of you
1: yep Mm -hmm. that's right
3: i'm curious to how many
0: enterprise companies are the same way and haven't checked i would hope they turned on auto updating because that's just a common sense but a lot of consumers don't necessarily think to open up that software they install
1: See I, I think, think that it's... a lot of I think a lot of companies are going to pr- purposely turn that off cuz it's annoying and they don't know any better. But
0: Yeah. But
1: that's just Anywho. something <laughs> I wanted to
0: get out of the way. That,
1: I think... so, well, thank you. There you go. i40 community yeah. and Kyle who's <laughs> included, I guess. Uh, so
0: and I'm thinking maybe we could kind of make a segment of that like anything that's worth mentioning like any kind of major Easy to break down security flaw to somebody that they can immediately remedy. That we I should like that. kind of have a small PSA.
1: For sure. Perhaps we'll do a, a little PSA mini series on our YouTube
3: channel.
0: We could do that. Yeah, just like yeah. Yeah. quick security video update or something like that,
3: or do Facebook live video to the whole nine. We'll get it oh, out there. Okay. It's just yeah. little by little, just getting the word out. So,
1: But
0: um, that also goes without saying that people should be updating as often as possible. And I know the stigma for some people is not to because it can break stuff, but the risk of any kind of security issue, I think outweighs whatever weird quirk you might get from an update, which will eventually just get patched anyway. But um, that being said, yep. that's all I had left. I think that's all we got left on the notes. So anybody (laughs) want to want to cover any final topics before we close out?
1: Just check your software updates, your operating system updates. Everybody, um, you know, they're trying, they're looking to keep you safe. There's new vulnerabilities
3: every day. So just stay up to date. It's important. Update as much as possible for whatever piece of technology you have, phone, computer, printer, all of it.
0: Microsoft even has a day for it. It's Patch Tuesday. It's the the one day of the week that they release all their security flaws that are outstanding.
1: I'm extremely familiar. I used to be (laughs) a system administrator providing those updates to my uh, user community. So patch Tuesday is like a holiday for me. Second (laughs) Tuesday of every
2: month. Check (laughs) those updates. Mm -hmm. That's right. So all right. with that, uh, thank you guys for joining us to this week's podcast. Uh, Any of you have anything to plug this week? Uh, that you want to shout out to the audience to check out more of
1: what you do on the interwebs? Guys, I've been, uh, I've been working hard on some new beats recently. Actually, I'm hoping to release some new stuff to the public within the sure. next week. Uh, you can find me on soundcloud.com slash Freh. That's F R E H. Uh, not to be confused with fresh, which, uh, is probably a little too common for me, but, uh, <laughs> With, with that that that's pretty much all I got. all I do is make beats and do this podcast. so
3: <laughs> besides making sure that you obviously check out all of Jeff's amazing beats, besides liking and subscribing to our amazing podcast. If you're a super nerd, you can always listen to my other podcast, which we're doing a new episode tomorrow. should be out by this weekend. It's on air with Keenan and Kyle. Uh, if you search on podomatic.com, On Air with Keenan and Kyle. Uh, We also have a Facebook page where we post episodes every week. You can subscribe on iTunes as well. Uh, You'll see a picture of me like this. And then a picture (laughs) of another guy standing like this.
1: Uh, It's actually on screen on our YouTube stream right now. so
3: Perfect. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Yeah, so you guys can go there. If you're a super nerd like me or like professional wrestling, we have a new episode coming out. We didn't have a podcast episode last week. I'll probably be able to release it later as a mini-sode. Uh, me and my son Chase, who's also a diehard Wrestling fan, did a Facebook live cast instead. Uh, you can check that out on the Facebook page if you'd like. And it was awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And for how to find us, so we're officially live on YouTube. So we uploaded episode six of the first official video podcast. Uh, this will be the next episode being uploaded. And we're going to be also testing live streams. So that be either on Uh, YouTube or Facebook. We're going to do live streams of our uh, recording so you can listen in, tune in live. Uh, Typically, we try to record on Wednesday uh, of the week and release on Thursday uh, for you guys to download at uh, any uh, podcast app that you might be listening to. So if you want to find us, go ahead and look us up on Podbean. Just go to industry40.podbean.com. You can also find us in iTunes, so you just open up the podcast app right on uh, your Apple device and search for Industry 4.0. And if you want to check out our Facebook page, uh, go to facebook.com slash Industry 4.0 where we post up-to-date news uh, that's uh, relevant, uh, that's that's breaking, as well as follow our Twitter page. So our Twitter will have uh, daily news updates. Uh, We have multiple updates as soon as they break uh we'll post them there uh, live so if you want to keep up with all the latest greatest tech news that's happening every single day uh follow our twitter account uh so you can keep up with that uh so with that uh thanks for uh joining and we'll talk to you guys next week